0: There's certain beliefs, certain areas where your primitive mind starts to attach itself to your beliefs. Your belief starts to mistake that for your personality and for your identity. And when it does that, it actually starts to cling on to those beliefs like it would cling on to your body at your safety. Because actually, legitimately, the primitive mind is a lot of studies about it. the primitive mind gets your identity mixed up with your physical safety. And so it will go into fight or flight mode when sacred beliefs are challenged.
1: Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mind Valley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell. And before we get started, tell me, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world-class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Today, I have someone that I admire a lot, and I've been consuming his content on his famous blog, waitbutwhy.com, to gain insights on some of the cutting-edge technologies that are advancing, and as well as the ways of thinking that I think are the most profound, easy ways to communicate with people some very advanced topics using some very light, get this, stick figure illustrations. If you're not familiar with Tim Urban yet, he is a celebrated blogger and he does these cartoons as well, where he will really break down complex subjects in ways that is easy for us to understand, make you laugh along the way and leave you learning subjects in such a profound way. It's been something that is my go-to whenever I really want to write up on something incredible. I have been an addict looking for every post every time he publishes something, and he's done a famous TED Talk, which is actually about the realities of procrastination, which was actually one of the first people to get 10 million views in the first year on the TED videos. He has spoken in front of audiences at Google, Facebook, Goldman Sachs, Uber, MIT. The list goes on, has been on all the major publications, and now he's even in the process of writing a book about the story of us, which is a little piece that we're going to be discovering today, where a lot of us might find ourselves at competition, or at least in arguments with other people, whether they think differently. We're seeing things such as Democrats versus Republicans, COVID deniers, mask wearers, vaccines, all the trigger words that I could bring up in conversation right now. There's a lot of conflict that happens. And what I wanted to bring up Is tools that we can learn about how we react to certain situations, how we actually discuss, where do we come from whenever we bring an argument forward so that we can level up that awareness, level up that maturity, and really give us a map that allows us to identify how do we show up better? How do we show up being more understanding? And this is going to be useful in the workplace, in your personal life, pretty much everywhere. And so it is an honor and a privilege that I bring Tim to the show. Tim, welcome to Superhumans at Work.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: As I was mentioning, you have started this series last year. I mean, put aside, like if I go back in history, I mean, you've done the biography on Elon Musk, all of his businesses that he requested personally, which was a hilarious start of that article, how he asked you personally to cover him. And you've done a ton of other topics that I find are fascinating, but I wanted to focus on the story of us. And i kind of want to bring it to the beginning. Like what was the thing that happened that made you inspired to start writing this story? It's massive, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. This is, I mean, a pattern with me that's been getting worse, which is that I take on a thing and think it's going to be short. And then I'm like, Oh, it's going to be long. And then, then it turns out to be way longer than I even thought then. And it's like, uh, it was like kind of going like this, and then this, I just kind of like hit the singularity with this one. And I'm um, gonna have to like figure out how to rein it after, but this one just, it's such a big topic. It just, the breadth of it and the complexity of it. And the, and I think it's such an important topic. So I really want to get it right. And there's so many different things that I think need to be said. And you have to figure out like, how do you get them all together? So it's been, it's been a real process, but the impetus for me was, you know, I write about stuff like you mentioned, you know, Elon's companies. Tesla or SpaceX or Neuralink, I've written about all three of those, or I've written about stuff with kind of life extension. And I've written about things with AI and all the cool, you know, I have all these queued up post topics about the amazing future that we could have. And it hit me kind of looking around at the world that there was some nagging feeling like none of this stuff is going to be possible or matter if we can't get our shit together as a society. Because what's happening is not good. Like, it's not... And I, I was but what, like, what is it that's so bad? This was this was like pre-Trump when I really started thinking about it. It was like 2016 when I really got into it, early 2016. And it was like something I'd been nagging me for a couple of years. I was like, something is like really off that is going in a bad direction. And it actually felt like it just felt like it was the limiting factor. Like, we have to get this, fix this thing before I can like write about anything else we have to like write about. I have to talk about this. So then I spent some time thinking, what is the thing? What What is, you know, people talk about political polarization or some bad things with social media or whatever. There's all these, you know, we have these ideas about things that are bad. You know, most of us would agree that things are going in some weird direction. And so I started to try to look what that might be. I think that the mistake a lot of us make is we think that the thing that's bad is like what the news says is the thing that's bad. So, oh, the thing that's so bad is is COVID itself, which is bad, right? There are bad things. Or the thing that's so bad is, you know, Trump. Or if you're a Trump fan, maybe the Biden administration, or maybe it's, you know, or, or something like George Floyd. Like, that's obviously quite bad. But people think, you know, oh, it's such a bad 2020. They think about those things that the news puts on the headline. That's what, no, I don't think that's, the thing that, that was bothering me. I think it was our, you know, how we're talking about all those things, how we're reacting to it, why the news is being the way it is being. And, and that sent me down a long rabbit hole many years.
1: I love how it actually started with like to solve these problems. You went all the way to the beginning of how we operate as human beings. And you almost talk about the great battle of fire and light. And you talk about how we have that kind of inner duality within ourselves. And I'd love to start there because it is where you start your story is that we all have this kind of higher self idea of what are the right behaviors that we would do in the right times. And even for us, you know, at Mindvalley, we're very much into personal growth. So like we have our goals, we have our aspirations, we have our values that we want to live by. And of course, according to theory, would be like, oh yeah, so we get to live that every day and we never make a mistake. But that's not really how it really works. And I wanted you to dive more about how do we operate in our minds, reconciling this higher self and what's really happening with this monkey little torch bearing
0: creature in our mind. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned procrastination, which is you know, another thing I've written about and talk about. And I actually think that these are really connected. And I think they're connected in, in their kind of root cause. So procrastination, I talk about in a, you know, in a silly way, in a funny way, like the rational decision maker. And the instant gratification monkey, both of these little characters in your head. But I think these are real things. This idea of this voice in your head that knows what you should do and knows what your real values are and wants to live by them and wants to uh, have the right habits and wants to treat everyone the right way and, and wants to have the right work ethic and all this stuff. It's just a grown up that that that's had plenty of you know. And usually in a lot of cases, wisdom isn't the problem. Like we've had plenty of years at this point to like kind of usually know, but generally what our problems are and what we should be doing. And yet, when it comes to procrastination, I call it the monkey. But there's this other force that is in there that takes the wheel, and we end up being not our best selves. And sometimes we're not. You know, sometimes we're aware of it and we we're cursing ourselves as we do it. Sometimes we we actually. We really forget what's going on in a way. We almost lose consciousness, you know, while we're and then later we look back and say, "Oh my god!" You know, or you know, if you're late to something, people, are, you know, it's like you just you go look at the clock, and say, "Oh, it's like well," you know, the grown up in your head would have watched the clock long. Some other voice was, some other character there took over, and was like running the ship just now. And you have to, and you come back to it, and you it's almost like you come to right. So. I talk about it in a light sense, but I think this is the same problem that people have when they struggle with their weight. They are very aware. It's not like they don't realize that ice cream is fattening. No one's told them. No, they know what the right and wrong things are. And yet they do the wrong things. Addiction, many other topics like this. It's in a lot of ways, the same story. And so I started looking around at the society around me and I I realized, I I think, I think this is another one of these examples. I think this is another situation when there's two kind of characters going on and they have just like they have different opinions on work ethic and whether we should work right now. And, and what I think of as the primitive mind, which is what I call the instant gratification monkey, but the primitive mind is this kind of automated software, survival software for a primate. Like what you actually are, you're just, you're a primate, an ancient primate. That's like, you know, supposed to be in the forest somewhere or in the, the plains, like surviving. And the primitive mind basically thinks that you're still there. It's not able to adjust. It's just like you're, you know, it's, it's instinctual and it is, it doesn't understand that you're in a completely different environment right now and an advanced civilization with a whole different set of goals and you have long-term plans and like there's rules about civilization. And, but then there's this other character. This other character, the higher mind, that actually knows exactly where you are. And again, it can see what's the right thing to do. It knows ice cream is going to be not a good choice. It knows you should get to work. It knows you're going to be late. And it also knows that hating other people for their politics makes absolutely no sense at all. It doesn't, it knows that it, if you knew them better, you wouldn't hate them at all. If you knew them really well and you keep thinking, well, how about the really worst? Oh, no, no, get even deeper. Think of the people you hate the most, right, for their politics or whatever reason, and keep digging. Okay, so now you go and you watch them at dinner with their family, and you're like, oh, okay, well, they have a family, and oh, they're, you know, okay, maybe that doesn't work. Maybe they're being a dick with their family, okay, and you, you know, you're like, yeah, see, they're awful, and then you go and you actually, like, hear them with their therapist, and they're talking about their childhood. Maybe you go watch a snippet of their childhood, and you're like, oh, okay. Maybe you get in their head, and you feel what it's like to have this anger problem they have, that they, they wish they could control it's almost no one you can hate when you keep going to this, this level. So the higher mind knows all this. The higher mind thinks tribalism is as stupid as eating way too much ice cream or procrastinating and, and things like, you know, stop it. This makes no sense. The primitive mind in the world, the primitive mind thinks it's in tribalism is the name of the game. The, tri- the people who weren't tribal enough, they didn't survive. The tribal people, they stuck together they could dehumanize the other tribe. So they were more likely to be fierce with them. If, if a nice tribe meets a fierce tribe, who one tribe dehumanizes other tribes and the other tribe humanizes everybody, the humanizing tribe isn't around anymore. The dehumanized tribe, that's all of our ancestors. So we are, we're a handful of people on this planet right now. And so now you take those people that were really good at ancient survival. Those are kind of scary people. Now, all of their descendants are now in a completely different world where you're supposed to be civilized. And what are we going to do? Our primitive mind is going to be looking for its familiar framework. Where is the tribalism? Where is, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? How can I make sure I'm one of the good guys? I want to be, I want to belong. And so religion has often been one of these things, ethnic tension. And in the case of America, I think it's politics has become the thing. And I don't think it's anything about politics in particular... The primitive minds, they are looking for some kind of tribal framework to latch onto, and politics has become that in the U.S.
1: Before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mindvalley membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley membership, to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you want to get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. And I just want to congratulate you for covering so much, so efficiently and quickly right there. Because like you said, once you start opening this can of worm, you really start realizing that this gets very complicated very quickly, but you've touched on the broad strokes of what's happening. And would you say even the part that we're still being educated today, like you look at at Star Wars, it's like battles of good versus evil. And any of the major plot lines of, I would say the more simplistic plot line of superhero movies, it's always like a simple good versus a simple evil. And we're trying to find the same types of behaviors in society every day. And then you look at some of the more advanced films that start challenging that line of where's good, where's evil, realizing that it moves around, requires a lot more than a headline of information to be able to navigate that. So what are you seeing right now? Because like I mentioned at the beginning, the politics side, the vaccine side, the should we be working? Should we be wearing masks? Should we be staying at home? All of these are things that we're almost trying to make that decision. Like you said, like, okay, what can I choose? So I'm one of the good guys. And so how do we start actually monitoring that and being more evolved beyond this primitive mind that seems to be dominating us all the time?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this two-part struggle, what I think of as a tug of war over your consciousness, right? It's not, by the way, it's not that the primitive mind is evil. It's not that we want to get rid of it. We need the primitive mind. It's just that we want it to be a tame pet. You know, everyone. we get in this zone. We all have these moments when our higher mind is large and in charge, and we're doing the right thing, and we feel an instinct maybe. We're at dinner. We feel an instinct to kind of be interrupty or to brag or one of these things that later you would regret or to name drop or something. You know, one of these that things the primitive mind wants to do because the ego is just a little, you know, massive an ego. And the higher mind says, absolutely not. Like just, just, just shuts down these impulses to be your worst self or when you are fighting against procrastination and you actually do the right thing. When you get up and exercise, even though you don't want to, these are moments when the primitive mind's complaining and the higher mind saying, come on, come on, boy here. And the primitive mind saying, okay. And you have some healthy system where, you know, you're going to get a reward later. And the primitive mind starts understanding and gets in the habit. That's when you're the, your your higher mind is running your psyche. And I think that when you start to slip, your primitive mind actually, like it's like, I think of it as like fog starts filling your mind. You actually lose consciousness in a lot of ways and you lose control. And the higher mind, you can't hear its voice even. It's just, it, it gets lost in this kind of whatever. And then later you regret, it. you look back and say, well, I, I wasn't being myself when I got so mad or why you're yelling at yourself, right? What's going on? I mean, it, it's a strange situation. Anyway- I think, first of all, just to be aware of that tug of war. I think the areas in life where we take that tug of war really seriously, where we know it's a real struggle, I think eating is a good example. Like, if no one thinks it's like, I mean, maybe some people, most people don't, um, are aware that like eating healthy and avoiding like high fat, high sugar, you know, calorie, you know, high calorie food is hard, right? And people aren't like, whatever, just like eat well. Most people are like, yeah, it's a struggle. Like, oh yeah, it's like, really, it's a... So I think a lot of us take it seriously. There's all this, like, you know, we're disciplined. We know, don't buy, uh, you know, don't put unhealthy food, junk food in your house, you know, because, you know, we, we do things, we take it really seriously. And then I think in other areas, you know, procrastination, we don't take it as seriously. So we'll have our phone right on our desk, which is, but we won't have junk food in the house because we're not taking the procrastination thing as seriously. So when it comes to, I think, tribalism and this kind of stuff, I think it's like we are taking it almost the least seriously. I don't think we think of it as a huge struggle. I think that most of us think that we are totally on the right side here and we're totally in control and other people, which is a good sign that we're just totally unconscious and missing it because I I think that we're all, most of us, I I put myself into that category We're pretty bad um, here. So your original question was like, how do we see it? And I think that you mentioned Star Wars, right? And like uh, superhero movies. And of course, those appeal to us, especially our, they really appeal to our primitive minds because the primitive is like, yeah, you know, perfect virtue. And, you know, and, and when you're watching a nuanced movie, it's like that part of your primitive mind is not having as much fun. And it, the other parts you are having fun. But but I think of it as even even worse than superheroes. I think of it as a Disney movie. I love Disney movies, but I, uh, I love them a lot. And I think of them, though, as something that is a cartoon movie, not the real world. And that's a pretty important distinction that we should all be making. And I think that the problem is when it comes to, I think in the US, anything that touches like politics, we are in a place I call political Disney world. And not everyone's there. A big piece of this book is that there's a two-dimensional space, not a one-dimensional space. So politics, we think of as left, center, right. And that's a one-dimensional axis. That's a horizontal 1D axis. And that's not enough information. So, I build a second axis, so what I, I think of as like the psych spectrum. This is this tug of war. At the top, your higher mind is in charge. At the bottom, your primitive mind is running the show and everything in between. And I think at the bottom, the way your primitive mind does politics, which is 50,000 BC style, there's good, virtuous, godly people. And if everyone just listened to us, you know, we would, and the world would be perfect. And then there's the awful, evil. Non-human people, these disgusting—use the word disgusting—evil people. Whether maybe they're maybe they're barbarians, maybe they're oppressors, but they're some evil word, right? And that's political Disney World. That's not real. That's nothing about that is maps onto reality. And that oh, can—that's a delusion that you can only hold if you're really in a state of un, self-awareness and also un- unawareness of the humanity of others. Now, at the top of this, you know, square, this two D space. You still have the right, left, center. You have to, you know, people, in, including the far left and the far right. People, too often, they say they equate you know, far left, for example, or far right with what I would think of as low rung. I think of it as like a ladder low, down here. And that's not necessarily true. Now, often down at the bottom in Disney World, you're going to find a lot of people on the horizontal far right and far left because it's appealing to the primitive mind. It's re- they're extreme ideologies. That said, at the top area, which I think of as high rung politics- there's a total need for those. There's a total space for those. High, far left and far right have a space in the conversation and they can be extremely useful. And sometimes they're right when everyone else is wrong. So I think it's important to have this 2D space. And I think if we're trying to give ourselves a litmus test, there's a bunch we can talk about. But one obvious one is just like, am I being in Disney World like morally right now? It's not just about good are there you know, I think there's perfectly good guys and just perfectly awful guys. You know, do I think the social justice warriors are just like awful? Do I think that the MAGA people are just like the worst people ever, right? Okay. You're in political Disney world, but I think that it's not just about good and bad. It's also the simplicity of a Disney movie. If you look like Disney movies, they have weather that goes along with the scene. So when Simba is coming back at the end of the movie and Scar is running the show, evil Scar. It's clouds everywhere. So at the beginning, Mufasa, it's always sunny. You come back and Scar's doing it, it's always cloudy. The witch, the evil stepmom in Snow White, when she's in power, she's going ha 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 with her thing, pouring rain, right? This is every, you look at it, it's every single, every single Disney movie. Simba then conquers, literally as he does it, the sky parts and the sun comes out. I mean, Moana was another one recently, you know, she puts the thing in and suddenly uh, it's nice weather. So it literally, I say this in when you're political Disney World, you feel like there's always cloudy weather at the political Disney World a lot of the time because the because the bad guys are making it so bad. The bad guys are powerful because that ruins the fun if the bad guys aren't powerful. So that's one thing you'll notice is it's never like oh we won. No no no. It's always the bad guys are dangerous. They're coming. They're doing awful things, and therefore it's kind of like negative cloudy weather, and that goes into our psyche and it makes us feel awful about the future and about our present and about our kids' future and it's just like you could see i could go on a million like rabbit holes with this topic but yeah
1: i'm going to build a container around it actually as we i want to make this final point which is you know we started off by just going into the what was happening there was an itch in tim's world which i think is an itch that most of us are feeling deep down is that even though there's tons of progress on technology and a lot of fronts there's something that was off in the ethos of how things were happening in the way that we were communicating, how we were dividing. And we've been quick to blame things like social media, different politicians on the other side of the spectrum, just blaming all sorts of countries or policies. So we'd always try to find something to blame. But looking deeper at the root cause of what's been happening, what Tim identified was using this example of a higher mind and a primitive mind is within ourselves, there's always been a battle of what we're trying to do, which is in the best interest of us. And sometimes we get caught up with doing those impulsive decisions, instant gratification decisions. And this on the individual level is already somewhat complex to understand. And what has happened is Tim has actually translated that on what's happening on a macro scale, on a global scale, or at least in a a national scale, is we also are finding ourselves looking at simplifying things and making decisions that give us certainty in our world. We've been trained that whenever we would see something that is opposite of us, we can label it as bad. It makes the decisions easy. You can identify with the good guys and Now you're not necessarily thinking from your highest mind. You're trying to keep things simplified. Disney movies has reinforced this. And what happens in today's world is everything is way more nuanced. And I love this idea of the different rungs, which is where I'm going to want us to go deeper after this, but that there's different ways you can look at things. Are you looking at it simply as black and white? And how is this supporting you in your growth and in your way of being able to level up the rest of the people around you? The example we use are things like the politics that are known for a lot of people, but even in the workplace, whenever you're presenting an idea and a colleague that you might not get along with presents something against it, how are you arguing? How are you showing up? How are you presenting emotions? How are you being triggered? And how are you taking the best steps to really have these healthy debates speaks about the wrong, which is the second dimension that Tim was saying is that no conflict, no idea can be looked at and just one dimension you have to look at what is the level that you're showing up to be able to solve the problem which i believe tim actually brings us to this idea of the different rungs and i think actually brings into perspective this idea of an ideal lab versus an echo chamber and i thought we'd kind of funnel the conversation here so people can walk away with tools to become more aware if they're in an ideal lab versus if they're in an echo chamber and what does that all mean
0: So I talked a little about before about high-rung politics and low-rung politics, right? Which is one way to use this vertical axis. You can apply it to different horizontals. So that's right, left, and center or whatever for politics. And you can see how there's stuff with tribalism and certain kinds of thinking. What you're talking about is a kind of a more broad idea, which is just high-rung thinking and low-rung thinking in general, right? And and politics is kind of a subset of that or an overlap, at least, with that. Again, to start, we just have to think about what is... What are the two because the the, the the whole vertical spectrum is just about these two characters? What do they want to do? And then their their tension. So when it comes to thinking, and when I say thinking, I mean, you know, forming your beliefs, your convictions, and yeah, arguing and and the, how you deal with the the world of ideas. What does that higher mind want? Well, the higher mind is just a logical character. I always say like the rational decision maker and the ped talk just wants to do what makes sense. So wants to play when it makes sense to play and work when it makes sense to work with the monkey always wants to work, right? Well, the higher mind wants to do what makes sense all the time. And so when it comes to thinking, what makes sense? Well, what makes sense is the self-awareness to understand what you know and what you don't right? There shouldn't be anything magical about that, that, to get good at gauging your own knowledge, to understand what knowledge looks like and feels like when you haven't, when you don't. And so to have an honest depiction of your own knowledge, which is what we call humility. Humility to me isn't you know, saying, you know, oh, I don't know. If you know, it's perfectly humble to say, I know, right? But the humility is just being self-aware about what you know. That's all it is, being accurate about what you know. And when you start going above that line, Thinking you know more than you do, you get to into what we call arrogance, right? And delusions, which is a form of delusion. It's not, you know, it's not like oh, I'm being so cocky. It's like you're you're just being delusional. You think you know 10x and you know 5x, so you're off. You have a, a, an accuracy error. And and likewise, you can go the other way when you think you know less than you do, and then you, you're insecure. You need to get more. You need to build up your confidence in in your knowledge because you do have it. So anyway, the higher mind is greater humility. So humility is kind of what you know. You can think of it as skepticism is another one of these meters and it's about incoming information. So it's about deciding who to trust. How much do they know? How much real knowledge is in what I'm hearing? So humility is what do I know? Skepticism is about what does this person talking to me know? The higher mind gets over time gets really good at this, gets really good at starting to suss out. Who should I trust? That doesn't mean just a person talking. It can mean something I'm reading. It can mean something that I, you know, uh, whatever, something I see on the news, whatever. The higher mind starts getting great at skepticism. So again, good at skepticism doesn't mean you're always skeptical that, you know, if you go too far, now you're someone who doesn't believe the moon landing happened. This is as you go to paranoid land where everyone's lying. No, I can't trust anyone, right? That's not, the higher mind doesn't do that. If you go to the other direction, you become gullible. Anyone with a strong opinion, well, I guess they're right right? Whoever has the strongest opinion, I guess they must be right. They must know what they're talking about. And so you can't really learn when you're humility, you're not on this humility, sweet spot and skepticism, sweet spot. So that's just like a first idea of just like how the higher mind thinks, but what's the core goal in general when, the, when it's thinking is truth. Not because it's some noble thing because that's I mean, obviously what's the, what is the knowledge? Knowledge literally is learning what is getting your perception of reality as close as possible to reality. And you know that it's not fully there. You're, you're delusional about some stuff. You're wrong about some stuff. You're just blank. You have some blank spots. So it's just when the higher mind forms opinions, forms views, it's just a reflection of what he actually knows. Or And also, and it's just gearing towards, uh, it's trying to filter out falsehoods and get closer to reality. So none of this is because it's a, being a good person or because it's being why it's just what any logical thinker would do. Why would you do anything else? Right. It's just so duh. Right. doesn't mean that the higher mind knows a bunch of stuff. The higher mind says, I don't know all the time. Right. Now, if you move down to the bottom of the ladder, we have the primitive mind. What does the primitive mind do when it comes to beliefs? Some beliefs, the primitive mind doesn't care about, you know, what, you know, it doesn't, doesn't care about uh, your, what your favorite color is. You know, there's certain things that are just irrelevant, whatever. Sure. You know, can joke about it. There's certain beliefs, certain areas where your primitive mind starts to attach itself to your beliefs. Your belief starts to mistake that for your personality and for your identity. And when it does that, it actually starts to cling on to those beliefs like it would cling on to your body at your safety. Because actually, legitimately, the primitive mind does a lot of studies about it. the primitive mind gets your identity mixed up with your physical safety. And so it will go into fight or flight mode when sacred beliefs are challenged. So the higher mind says starts off at point A, and, which is I don't know, and says, "Well, let's learn, let's gather evidence to get to somewhere we do know." The primitive mind starts and says, "Well, I know this thing. That's non-negotiable. This belief is not going anywhere. Now, let's strengthen it with evidence. So let's read, let's find an argument. the higher mind is going to click on a lot of articles that look like it disagrees because I might learn something. Oh, let's see, let's see if can, let's see how strong my argument is. Let's see if this author can poke holes. The primitive mind doesn't do that at all. Primitive mind clicks on articles that it's going to." that it agrees with already, it loves having its existing due strength. And that feels like safety. It feels great. It feels like everything good. Now we're not always at the top of the very top or bottom. We're sometimes in the middle, right? You're trying to find truth, but there's the the invisible hand of the primitive mind is there pushing your search for truth in a certain direction. Cause it's just, oh man, it would be nice if we just, just, just could keep these beliefs. And the higher mind saying, well, but let's make sure we're right. Let's actually in the primary mind saying, yeah, but come on, like, let's just, you know, these are right. Let's just, yeah. and so you don't even necessarily hear these two voices, but you are torn as you search. And what is this called? Confirmation bias. So at the top, you know, as you move down a little on the ladder, you have a little bit of confirmation bias. And you're rooting for something to go in this direction. I have four labels, if you want to just fully get into it. The top, I call it the scientist. So when you're thinking like a scientist, that's full higher mind. Real scientists are often thinking on the low runs. They'll they'll admit that. It's more the idea of a scientist, the scientific method, right? Start at point A, gather evidence, get get to some truth. It'd be nice if we were always there, and we're very often not. But especially, you know, look, I'm trying to figure out how to Fix something in my house, and I want to get info on YouTube. I'm not, it's not going to be confirmation biased there. I, of course, I'll think like a scientist there because there's no sacred belief. The primitive mind doesn't care. So, but it's one how about we talk about maybe the topic of my book, right? Man, it would be a shame if I started doubting that, right? Oh man, that would be a bummer. And so, as a writer, I find myself always having to fight. And you know, it's I'm writing about this, and then I feel it in myself. It's really interesting. You know, it's like you, again, I know I shouldn't eat this bad food, but I'm still going to do it sometimes. Like we still do these things, even if we're aware of them. But so anyway, we get onto the second rung, which is when your higher mind is still running the show more, you know, you're still pointed towards truth, but you're fighting off a lot of confirmation bias, which is, I think, I hope that's where I am when I'm there. I hope I'm not lower than that. And I call that the sports fan because as a sports fan, I, I, I'll forget about all the bad calls that go towards my team. And anytime the thing that goes away, I'll be so mad and I'll remember it. And I'm much more likely to see a play and assume that it went, uh, my guy's foot was bounds. So, you know, and then I see the replay though. And I say, okay, I, I, he was out of bounds at that point. I don't actually want it to be called wrong. I'd rather it be called right. I want them to win fair and square. I still believe I still have integrity as a fan when it, when I'm shown indisputable evidence, I'll change my mind, but I might have a confirmation bias before that point. Uh, You know, I'm a a Patriots fan. Nothing will convince me that Tom Brady's a cheater. It doesn't matter. But if you show me like so much evidence, I start to be like, okay, you know, I can't, you know, Bill Cosby at first, I was like, Bill Cosby is a great guy. I'm sure a lot of us went through this and we were like, no, no, no. And then suddenly you like, you know, you see the first documentary, you're like, oh, no, he's not right. So this is kind of sports fan land. I I completely changed my view, but there was some resistance to it. Then you cross below the midline. So this is kind of rung one and two are both in the high rungs. You get to rung three, you've crossed below the midline. That's a key line because now the primitive mind is now more powerful. So now I call it thinking like an attorney on rung three, which is if you're an attorney and you're, you're supposed to defend a client and the prosecutor, you're listening to the prosecutor make some good arguments and you say, you know what? That was a good argument. I think he's guilty actually. So yeah, I'm not, no, no argument for me. You're not a good, that your client would be very unhappy with you, right? You're not being a good attorney. The attorney's job is to say, my client is innocent. Now let's figure out why. Right now, I know of oversimplifying what attorneys do. But you, again, it's this idea, this, this concept is that you're starting at point B, not point A. And then you're saying, now let's find an arrow, you know, that leads to point B. Let's figure out what's what's evidence that leads in it. And you'll cherry pick. Oh, this evidence doesn't make point B like very look very good. Let's not bring it into the courtroom. You know, let's bring only that. We'll, we'll cherry pick the evidence that does. But people do this in their own heads without realizing it if you're conscious of being an attorney, you're not really being an attorney. And being an attorney is when you find yourself disregarding evidence or news stories or opinions that go against your thing without really a good reason. You just say, oh, of course, that guy's a hack. Do you know that? You know, And then meanwhile, on the other side, so you, know, you, you become kind of member of that skepticism meter. You kind of go to the, the paranoid side there when it comes to things that you disagree with. Everyone is who disagrees with me, they're wrong for whatever reason. None of them I can trust someone who agrees with you on the other hand who confirms that sacred belief you find yourself being on the gullible side of the skepticism sweet spot right you you flip-flop between too skeptical not skeptical enough now because suddenly you know yes you read an article and it confirms what you believe and you're just going to forward it around and say see you know you're not where's all that skepticism where it all disappeared this is confirmation bias like when it's really strong and the point is when you're below that line the primitive mind is not going to let you change your mind there's no evidence that's actually going to change your mind you'll collect all this evidence you're you're kind of role-playing the, the, the scientist. You're collecting evidence. You seem like you're, but you're not actually, nothing's really happening here other than you strengthening your own belief. Uh, call it unconvincible land down below the line. You're not convincible. So everyone down there is not convincible. Finally, on the lowest rung, you're a zealot. This is when the higher mind's voice is gone entirely. You're just, you're so fired up and primal about this topic and we've all been there. That you you're so unselfaware aware about it. you're so that there's not even a need to collect evidence. You're just so sure you're obviously right. Anyone who disagrees with me is obviously an idiot or an asshole, and and not even need to collect evidence. Like, and if anyone disagrees with you, you usually have a really like angry like worked up reaction or just like scoff or you just want to. Um, now on the other side of that, when you argue with someone who's thinking like a zealot, they're it's a very frustrating experience. It's like arguing with a brick wall. So the point of these four rungs is that it is not that you know oh, are you an attorney i am a sportsman. no we are all four of these all of us at different times the better thinkers are on the high rungs uh, a lot more than they're on the low rungs but they're on the lower rungs sometimes and the worst thinkers when it comes to sacred topics are almost always on the low rungs you know you know the people and maybe it's you and you know you need to reflect on this maybe it's you but people who when it comes to politics They've never been on, they haven't been on the higher rungs in a long time Um, when it comes to maybe religion, when it comes to maybe nutrition, people are crazy about nutrition. Talk to a hardcore vegan and, you know, or a hardcore vegan hater. So there's a lot of sacred topics. It's not just the obvious ones, Uh, you know, child raising. People are really intense about their views there. And so, yeah.
1: Tim, thank you so much for condensing something that I know has so many nuances to it, but you were able to give us a picture of something that could be a tool that we can self-identify where we're at and maybe give us a hopeful progress towards trying to becoming a higher-rung thinker to recognize these biases and the most sensitive of these topics. From what I understand here is, if I'm actually just looking at these high-rungs and low-rungs here, which is basically, I can be aware of where I'm at. Probably, I'm not aware where I'm at, but I can start maybe questioning some of the places that get me more triggered and seeing what's underlying there, seeing if I am letting my primitive mind take over or I am operating from the highest self. But then, when we all get together, right? Is when the echo chamber starts happening, where it's everyone's a zealot together?
0: Well, so like what I just described is individual thinking, right? So I'm thinking about a single person. And now this all scales up to groups. So when you have a group, that group can hold a topic sacred. That group itself can be on the low rungs. Even if there's high rung members in it, they're all overpowered by this low rung kind of team up. That primitive minds are teaming up to keep the whole group from changing its mind. So it seems a little weird, but I do think groups act this way. So this is what I think an echo chamber is, that there's this culture now of low rung thinking, culture of taboo against even challenging this, the sacred topic, whatever it is. And that can be a couple, or it can be a group of friends, or it can be a whole university, or it can be a whole political party, or whole country, whatever it is. You know, World War II in the US, try to talk about, oh, actually I'm pro Germany. You know, that's not gonna go over well, right? You know, So like, this it, can be any different level. And that's a group that is not changing its mind. And then likewise, idea lab is kind of my term for the opposite of an echo chamber when ideas are treated like science experiments. Do it, throw it out there. You know, no one's getting offended when you disagree. You know, if you disagree with me. You're just trying to poke my experiment and show me if there's a mistake somewhere. I'm not going to get offended. And it's a culture of disagreement where it's uh, we're all making each other smarter by calling each other out. And it's not always a comfortable space, but everyone's better off for it. And it's a safe space to put out any ideas. An echo chamber, it can be comfortable, but it's a dangerous space to put out you know ideas that aren't the exact right ideas. And so I think it's important to be aware of the cultures you're in as well as what's going on in your head, because it affects what's going on in your head. The culture around you, absolutely. You know, an echo chamber pulls down on your psyche. And Idealab kind of is like a support system that keeps everyone from falling too low.
1: I was going to ask you as in closing, Tim, if there is a, a place that we can go, is there a tribe that you're aware of for anybody who might be feeling like, my God, I feel like I'm more surrounded by echo chambers, but I'm trying to find a place that I can find an Idealab environment because I want to find myself being pulled up into a higher realm. Are there known places? Are there Idealab centers we can explore? Like, how could we, how could we find these?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, one thing I can say is we talk about, you know, social media is obviously can be, you know, uh, people tend to follow people who agree with them and you end up within a massive echo chamber. Try following a bunch of people who disagree with you in addition to the people who agree with you and try to be uh, objective in your you know Try not to use confirmation bias when looking at this. So there's just, just online, you know, try, you could do this alone for it to start, you know, read articles that disagree with what you have to say. Listen to podcasts, where, or, or and especially if you find someone, there's a lot of people out there who I find are good at changing their mind. You know, Sam Harris, I, I find he's very controversial, but he also like, he changes his mind a lot. He is all over the place. He disagrees with people that he agreed with before, and he's in fights with people that seem like they're in his tribe. And, you know, there's a lot of people like that. that, that I just, they provide um, a useful lens because- I trust that they're independent thinking and, and uh, get a variety of people in your life with books and articles and that podcast, get a variety of voices coming into your own head. And as far as out in the world, I don't know about centers. I'm sure there are a lot of places that are perfect for this kind of thing, but I would say also just think about who you're hanging out with. It's, you know, you shouldn't ditch your friends if they're echo chambery, that's fine, but just realize that you're missing something. You're not getting a good intellectual experience there, really. You're You're having fun maybe being tribal with them and maybe you have fun with a million other ways with them and that's great, but- See if you can, you know, have some kind of social aspect of your life where you're safe intellectually to really explore whatever and to change your mind and that it's not going to hurt your relationships at all.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Tim Urban. Thank you again, Tim, for coming on the show and sharing this. I know we're touching the tip of the iceberg, but thank you so much for bringing so much in this time that just flew by so fast. And what I really want to encourage people as a powerful step to bring up that rungness, the getting into the higher rungs. Uh, is go to waitbutwhy.com. Go and look for the story of us. We're going to put a link in the description. It is a powerful read. It is a long read, but I swear it is a well-invested time that will make you laugh and giggle, but also realize how much we can fall prey to these echo chambers, how much we find ourselves being pulled by the media, the social media companies, the political parties, and why this is no accident that we see the world in the way that it is today. I think the more people that become aware is always the first step to finding better solutions. And as we try to rise ourselves up the rungs and identify with idea labs, we can actually start debating some great ideas and really making the best ones stick out and not just having the ones that have more people screaming louder, be the ones that get to move forward. Tim, once again, thank you so much for your time and sharing with us and everybody here. Keep being superhuman. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, be sure to check out Mind Valley Membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top-rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like-minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online or get together at local meetups. If you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out, join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today.